Welcome back. This is Survived with Sophie and Lexi. We started telling our survive story in college and we're moving on to bring you guys more through many different topics. And this week is one of our favorite kinds of episodes. Dun, da, 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 it it is, is Survive the Ghost. Woohoo! So excited. I love these episodes. Yes, me too. And, and we really are talking in sync tonight, aren't we? That's like yeah. the second time that that's happened. And I we're only, what, also, like a minute or two in? Yeah, I think it also is the fact that we are just getting used to the lag in the new platform. Oh, it has Because it kind of lags between me and you. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Never knew that. Um... However, before we start our Survived a Ghost episode, we do have a true crime update. Not really update, but a true crime thing that I do feel like we should touch on. And what is that? What is news today? So, I don't know if anyone else has heard, but... There was a student, a college student, um, named Lakin Riley, and she was a nursing student at UGA, and she was found dead on Thursday morning after going to, like, for a jog on campus. Which is oh my gosh, that's awful! Really, really horrible. Um, and I just wanted to talk about it in the fact that obviously we're not college students anymore, but like we both went to college. We know how it is. Like when you're on campus, you do feel like a different level of safe because it is like this bubble kind of. And to have that happen to her on campus is just insane to me. Like, it just makes you feel like there's no safe place anywhere for a student or even a woman, you know, trying to go for a jog. It's, that's really sad that she couldn't even go for, it's probably like her normal route, um, and you're in the college campus, like Sophie said, so you feel safe. Did they catch the guy? Yes. So, the University of Georgia campuses suspected her killers, um, was, had like a immigration status that wasn't legal or something um they did make an arrest on 
the following Monday and let me see if I can find anything here. So the suspect is Jose Antonio Ilbara, 26 years old, and Lakin was 22 years old. Um, and Jose Ilbara has been charged with felony murder and false imprisonment, kidnapping, and concealing the death of another. Investigators said there is no evidence that he knew Lakin. Oh, it's just that random. Mm -hmm. Wrong place, wrong time. Oh, I hope she rests. And yeah, he, um, I mean, this isn't really related, but it does state that he had a status of undocumented uh, Venezuelan migrant status. However, it's just like, that is so sad that I feel like a lot of women have that fear because of so many stories they hear of going on a run and they say, don't go on a run at night, um, always have a friend with you and, or go somewhere where you feel safe or run with other people around you. And I feel like Lakin probably did everything right. She's running, you know, it was midday. This is when that happened. It was midday on campus with probably other people, like, around. Um, it's just, that is insane to me that this happened. And my heart breaks for her and her family going through this. You know, that's really sad for that to happen, especially in that type of environment where you think that you're safe and... Um... It's really unfortunate that she was just in the wrong place at the wrong time. But. Yeah. To move on and into our episode this week. We already said that we are doing Survive the Ghost. But we have not said what kind of Survive the Ghost we will be talking about. Mm-hmm. And that is the Hope Diamond, or also known as the Curse of the Hope Diamond. The Curse. Dun, dun, dun. I personally have not heard of this story. I feel like I say that all the time, but I don't think I've heard the story. I like... I like having this podcast just because it's like a learning every single episode is I at least <laughs> learn something whether or not it might be a history lesson or a very disturbing fact but anyways always always learning something new yeah every day well let's just jump right in to the curse of the Hope Diamond. So, the history of the stone, which was named the Hope Diamond,
began when the French merchant and also traveler named Jean-Baptiste Travener purchased a 112 316th carat diamond. The diamond, which was most likely from Kalur Mine in Goncala, India, was a triangular shape and crudely cut. This, the color was described by Travener as a beautiful violet. Huh. That's really so, interesting. That a diamond would be like violet color. Violet blue. Yeah, it's like a dark, deep blue. Kind of. It's interesting. Um, Travenier sold the diamond to King Louis of France in 1668 with 14 other large diamonds and several small ones. So in 1673, it was recut by Sieur Patou, who is a who was the court jeweler at the time and resulted into a 67 carat stone. In royal inventories, it was known as a steely blue or stone um, because of the blue diamond on the crown or the French blue. It was set in gold and suspended on a neck ribbon which the king wore in ceremonial occasions. Interesting. And that's... Okay, maybe this is totally wrong and I'm totally off, but that's maybe where they get, like, royal blue from. Like, the color royal blue. You know, that's a good point. And it could be. Because a lot of royalty wore, like, this deep, like... That color blue. Blue. Yeah, that's true. Honestly, I wouldn't doubt it. I don't know. I... I might be wrong. (laughs) But anyway... So, King Louis, in 1749, had the stone reset by the court jeweler at the time. This is a different one. Andre Jacquemin in a piece of ceremonial jewelry for the Order of the Golden Fleece. In 1719, after an attempt by... Louis and Marie Antoinette to flee France, the jewels of the French royal treasury were turned over to the government. During a week long of looting of the crown jewels in September of 19 oh, of September of 1792, the French blue diamond was stolen. Oh my goodness. In 1792. Went missing for... Ooh. So, then, in 1812, it resurfaces and is described as a deep blue um, by John Francillon, who said it weighed about 44 carats. So it was documented um, as being in the possession of a London diamond merchant, Daniel Ellison. 
Strong evidence indicates that the stone was recut French blue and the same stone known as the Hope Diamond. Several references suggest that it was the same acquired um, by King George of the United Kingdom, and at his death in 1830, the king's debts were so enormous that the blue diamond was sold through private channels. Hmm. Wow, so this diamond is just going from person to person, just basically getting passed along. Yep. Nobody wants it. <laughs> or they keep stealing it. Who? Could be. That's a good point. So the first reference to the diamond's next owner was found in an 1839 entry of a gem collection catalog of the well-known Henry Philip Hope, which was a man who the diamond takes its name from, um, called the Hope Diamond. But unfortunately, the catalog does not reveal where or from he acquired the diamond or how much he paid for it at the time he found it. That'd be interesting to know how much he paid for it. Mm -hmm. Because everyone calls it the Hope Diamond, so. But we don't know anything else. Um, so Hope, so Henry Philip Hope was an heir of the banking firm Hope & Co. And Hope was a collector of fine arts gems. And he acquired this large blue diamond that was, um, that took his last name. Since he never married, Henry Philip Hope had left his estate to his three nephews when he died in 1839, and the Hope Diamond went to the oldest of the nephews, Henry Thomas Hope. He was married and had a daughter, and she grew up to have five children, and when Henry Thomas passed away in 1862 at the age of 54, the diamond stayed in the possession of Hope's widow and her grandson, which is the second oldest son, Lord Francis Hope. And he took in uh, the name uh, Hope in 1887. Um, inherited the Hope part of his grandmother's life estate shared with his siblings. Wow. It just keeps getting passed down and down and down. Yeah. You said hope so many times, you know, when you say a word so many times, it, like, stops having a meaning. I'm so sorry. No, it, <laughs> it's okay. Oh, goodness. But there it was just, a like, lot in there. Yeah. It just, I heard it, and I was like, oh, my gosh. My brain, like, started hearing it and then started thinking about it too hard. <laughs> Yeah. Also, if any any one of our listeners have ever seen Adventure Time, this is gonna. Um, I just thought of the character called Lemon Hope. <laughs> After Lexi was calling all of them with the last name Hope, but Hope, huh. Lexi, have you seen Adventure Time? Um, I don't think so. No. <laughs> you should watch it. It's pretty funny. 
Anyway, back yeah. to the diamond story. Um, because of the gambling and high spending, Francis Hope asked permission from the court in 1898 to sell the diamond. But his siblings said, please don't do that. And his request was denied. He appealed again in 1899, so a year later, and, I guess, and again his request was denied. So they really did not want him to sell this diamond to get money for it. Because he had money issues. Mm -hmm. So in 1901, he was able to finally obtain permission from the court and his sisters to sell the stone to pay off all of his debts. It was sold to a dealer in London, who then quickly sold it to Joseph Frankels, um, who is a son of the uh, and son of New York City, who retained the stone in New York City until they turned it into cash once again. So the stone will be passed over once again. And the diamond was sold to Celine Habib, who put it up for auction in Paris in 1909. But it did not sell at auction. And it was soon sold to C.H. Rosen now. And then um, that exact year in 1909 was sold to Pierre Cartier. Huh. So, yeah, just keeps bopping around. It went through a lot of hands. Mm-hmm. And then, in, a year later, in 1910, the Hope Diamond was shown to Mrs. Evelyn Wash McLean of Washington, D.C. at Cartier in Paris, but she did not like the setting. Cartier had the diamond reset and took it to U.S., where he left it with Mrs. McLean for the weekend. This whole situation was successful. The sale was made in 1911 with the diamond mounted as a headpiece on a three-tiered circlet of large white diamonds. And a little time later, it became the pendant on a diamond necklace as we know it today. Mrs. McLean's flamboyant ownership of the stone lasted until her death in 1947. Harry Winston of New York then purchased uh, Mrs. McLean's entire jewelry collection, which included the Hope Diamond. And he obtained this through her estate sale in 1949. And um, this, a couple of the diamonds that he was able to acquire was a 94-carat star diamond, a 15-carat star diamond, a 9-carat green diamond, and a 31-carat diamond that is now called the McLean Diamond. That is insane. That's so many diamonds. I know. I couldn't imagine the cost. I... I'm too poor to even think about that. Or just, that. like, have them in front of you and have them all, like, shiny and... Like, looking. Yeah. <laughs> just, oh, my gosh. Oh, goodness. 
Oh, for the next 10 years, the Hope Diamond was shown at many exhibits and charitable functions worldwide by Harry Winston, including the central attraction of the Court of Jewels expedition. Sorry. On November 10th, 1958, they actually donated the Hope Diamond to the Smithsonian Institution. And almost immediately, the stone became its premier attraction. Um, the Hope Diamond left the, the Smithsonian. Sorry, guys. It's hard to say. <laughs> I know. It like Smithsonian. You really have to think about it. I think it's a word that makes you think. Um. Anyways, only four times it's left its the museum's site. In 1962, it was exhibited for a month in Paris, um, which was titled as Centuries of French Jewelry. And then in 1965, it traveled to South Africa, where it... Um, was it exhibited at the Rand Show in Jonesburg? In 1984, it left to um, went to Harry Winston in New York as part of their 50th anniversary. And then in 1996, it was sent to Harry Winston again, and this time for some restoration work. Wow. So it didn't we've terribly too many times but when it did it traveled yep it went places mm -hmm. that's crazy it was exhibited in the louvre in paris it's pretty cool mm -hmm. so the weight of this hope diamond for many years was reported to be 44.5 carats in 19 74 it was removed from its setting and found actually to weigh 45.52 carats that's a lot that sounds heavy um yeah, like whoa it is classified as a type One one B diamond. Is that correct? Mm-hmm. Okay. As you can tell, I don't know diamonds very well. <laughs> Which are semi conductive and usually photo phocenic. Porcenic. Yes. The Hope Diamond photo a strong red color, which will last for several seconds after exposure to a short wave of UV light. And the diamond's blue coloration is chalked up to the trace, trace amounts of bourbon in the stone. Hmm. Mm -hmm. Interesting. Which is nice why it gives it like, yeah, like a violet color. Instead of, like, if you picture a diamond, you picture it, like, you know, clear. You can 
regular diamond. Oh, uh, yeah. So, really in cool. the pendant that surrounds the Hope Diamond, there are 16 white diamonds, all pear-shaped, and um, a pendant was soldered where Miss McLean would often attach other diamonds, including the Star of the East and the necklace chains that also include 45 white diamonds. Wow. She definitely had some glam. Oh, she definitely did. <laughs> she, by the sounds of it, she liked her diamonds. Mm-hmm. In December of 1988, a team of the Gemolog Gemological Institution of America visited the Smithsonian to grade the Great Blue Stone using present-day techniques, which was in 1988. Present day. <laughs> they observed that the gem showed evidence of wear and had remarkably strong photophocenic and that its clarity is slightly affected by a slight graining, which was common to blue diamonds. They described the color as a fancy dark grayish blue. And with the examination on the same day by another gemologicist using a very sensitive color meter, they found that a very slight violet component to this deep blue color which is almost unable to see by the naked eye. Still, one can only wonder that the original 112 and 316th carat stone bought by Travenier originally was described as a beautiful violet stone. Because in 1988, it's basically this grayish blue, and you can almost not even see violet in it. That's crazy. Changing colors throughout the years. Especially, yeah, as it gets older. Mm-hmm. So... You guys are probably so, wondering about the curse. That's what I was honestly just going to ask. What about, what's the spooky of it? Spooky portion of this, where the curse is, starts in 1839 when the stone was purchased by Henry Hope. And when his family sold it off to pay for the gambling debts, When uh, jeweler Well Falls acquired the natural diamond soon after his son killed him, and then he took the stone and then later committed suicide. Wow. 
So they probably got bad luck for selling the stone to pay for a gambling debt. That's probably one thing. Yeah, especially, I mean, maybe... It, like, they couldn't... Obviously, like, we talked about the history of it. And they couldn't... The nephew couldn't get his sisters to agree to sell the stone. And it took him a couple years. And then once it was sold, it went to a jeweler, but then the jeweler, jeweler's son killed him to take the stone. Mm-hmm. Wow. So when Evelyn's mother-in-law heard about the sale, she persuaded to send it back to Cartier who sent it back to her and then had to sue to get the McLeans to pay the promised fee. Once that was cleared up, Evelyn McLean wore the diamond constantly. According to one story, it took a lot of persuading by Mrs. McLean's doctor to get her to take off the necklace even for one of her operations. That's... Dang. Yeah. She, though, Mrs. McLean, wore the diamond as a good luck charm, and others saw it as a curse for her. So, Mrs. McLean's firstborn son, Vincent, died in a car crash when he was only nine, and then she suffered another loss of her daughter when her daughter committed suicide at the age of 25. Oh my goodness. And to add one more thing to her life, her husband was declared mentally insane and was confined to a institution until his death in 1941. Wow. So anyone who had this diamond, like something bad happened to them in their life. I guess she... She had it the longest, really. Yeah, she did. So she had it for years. Well, and besides the kings that wore him on like on on their stuff back in the day. Mm-hmm. King Henry. No, King Louis. Sorry, sorry, guys. <laughs> Wrong king. So through Mrs. McLean. She wanted to have her jewelry go to her grandchildren when they were older. Her jewelry was put up for sale in 1949, um, two years after her death, in order to settle debts from the estate. So that also was, like, kind of maybe putting more bad bad juju into the the diamond or (laughs) something. Could have been. Um, McLean's heirs sold the diamond to Harry Winston, who, after toured, um, touring the infamous diamond around the country, made a decision to donate it to the Smithsonian, and he mailed the priceless diamond to the museum via U.S. mail for $2.44. 
people often say that he just wanted it off of his hands. Wow. He mailed it in the mail? This priceless diamond. He just put it in the mail and said, here you go. Wow. That's actually insane. It wasn't like flied out and, you know, he was just like, yeah, I'll just put a stamp on it. Goodness. But yeah, we, I guess we don't know, but maybe something happened and he heard the, heard what could happen if he kept it. So he was like, give it to the, give it to the museum. Give it to somebody where other people can look at it. And isn't there a movie about the Smithsonian about how things come to life at night? Mm-hmm. So maybe that's a good place for the cursed diamond. Brings every character to life. <laughs> it could be that. I wonder if the movie is based off of a true story. Interesting. That wow. Make my childhood funny, but... <laughs> I did not know all this information about this diamond. It was fun to research. It definitely sounds like it has something attached to it or some type of curse that comes with it. And who knows, it could have been from the 1600s that has just carried along And hasn't had a consistent owner enough to actually have time to set in. I don't know. What would be the best way to describe that? Yeah. It just, like, I guess never really had a home. Like, a true home. I guess it just kept getting sold and passed on. I guess that's what things are, too, throughout the years. But... There was a couple of them where it was sold, like, multiple times within one year um, because people just wanted money. But I feel like Evelyn McLean was the one who thought of it as a good luck charm, even though more things, like, were reported bad that happened to her. Um, However, fun fact, Today, if, you know, the diamond's worth today is around $350 million. That's a lot of money. Just to put that in perspective for you guys. That's how much the diamond is worth. 45.52 carats. It's been around forever, too. Yeah, it's gigantic. It's huge. Isn't it the and that in the Titanic? Isn't the Hope Diamond in Titanic too? Where Rosa Parks, you know, Rose Rosa Parks. Oh my gosh, Lexi! <laughs> I cannot believe I just said that. I don't even. I'm gonna cut the, that part out. But I cannot believe I just said that, Sophie. I why I said that? Why did I just say that? I have no idea. I think the last time I even talked about that woman was, like, what, in eighth grade? <laughs> okay. I do I'm have so some information about about the um, Titanic necklace because the Hope Diamond does kind of resemble the necklace 
that falls to the bottom of the ocean that was on Rose, the character. Right, Rose? Yeah, not Rose Parks. Oh my God. Uh, so, the heart of the ocean, which is the necklace name in the movie, uh, Titanic is not a real piece of jewelry, but is usually, like, based on the real diamond, Hope Diamond. So, it's not the actual Hope Diamond. Obviously, in the movie, they're not using a real piece of jewelry. Um, but it is based on what the Hope Diamond looks like. Oh, interesting. Mm-hmm. So, I was going to say, it does resemble it very... Very well, especially how we talked about, like, the setting and how there's, it's like a diamond necklace with diamonds around the, the Hope Diamond. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Yeah. I, like we said, learning new things every day. We learned it. Well, you guys got to learn with <laughs> us. And we got to learn with you. Yeah. And if anyone knows any additional facts that they like to share or if they know so much more about diamonds than we do, please let us know. I know I struggled on that one word that starts with a P, um, but <laughs> that's definitely a word about diamonds that I just I didn't couldn't pronounce very well. Um, however, please... Email us at our Gmail, which is survivedwithsophieandlexi at gmail.com. If you have any stories, cases, or anything else you'd like to just talk to us about. Yeah. We check in. Mm-hmm. And as well, don't forget to follow our Instagram, please. And if you like to like our post that'd be cool too yep and i hope everyone has a great weekend february is over we're going into march it's going to be spring springtime which means yeah. summertime we're getting there guys it's getting warmer thank goodness This has been survived with Sophie and Lexi. Yay. <laughs> Yay. Okay. Go like our page. Goodbye. Thank you, guys. Bye. Thank you.